Welcome in the Sports Decaf in the morning. It's the one and only, the man of the hour, Tariq Abdullah, on this lovely spring break. What's good, guys? It's Tariq Fatul. How's everyone doing? You know, today's a good day because the weather's nice. You know, it's spring break. Sports Decaf never stops, no matter what the season, what the time, what the date is. All right, we, the show keeps going. Anyways, we got, we got to get to the topics. All right, so today we got, we got, you know, some defensive player of the year talks. We're going to get into the Phoenix Suns. You know, they get another win over a top-tier team. We're going to get into their playoff hopes next season. And then the Antonio Brown trade, why the Steelers went so cheap on him. But today, to start off the show, we, we got a uh, question from a, from a good friend of mine. Shout out my boy, Buddy. All right. The question is, do stats really matter in the NBA today? I'm going to go ahead and answer this. Um, for me, personally, at first, I used to be a stat type of dude. I looked at numbers and thought it really defined the whole game, but yeah. it, it really doesn't. Um, stats do matter to an extent. I think if you talk about a team's point differential and if you talk about a team's field goal percentage and j- just just common stuff, I think it matters. But there's there's a, a bunch of stats that people try to use, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, for me personally, I don't think PER matters as much as well. P- people always talk about PER, but, I mean, if you look at – uh, a bunch of players. The Paul George is ranked what 29th in PER, but he's one of the top five players in the league. Luka Doncic is what 48th in PER, but I mean he's obviously playing like an like an all star. So there's a lot there's a lot of outliers to the system. For me personally though, I don't think stats matter. I think if you just watch the game and you can it, it, it doesn't take to, uh, you know a genius to see who's performing and who's not. I think there's a lot of players that perform and sometimes it doesn't go on the stat sheet. You look at, for example, Draymond Green. People always talk about how he sucks. No, he does not suck. You just don't know basketball. He plays great defense, plays great help side defense, makes the key passes, gets rebounds, and does everything for his team to win. I mean, that's just how it is. There's a bunch of players like that as well. Tony Allen as well. I mean, Paul Millsap as well. There's a bunch of players that just do everything that their team needs them to do, and sometimes it doesn't result to being on the stat sheet. I think stats matter to a certain extent, but I think you can't validate a person's legacy in terms of, you know, their stat sheet. I think you got to look more into accolades such as, you know, all NBA teams. Uh, let's see, all NBA teams, defensive teams, um, you know, MVP awards, all-stars, things like that, you know, scoring titles. Because it shows that, you know, you are at that top level, you know, within your era. And it, it all matters, you know, how much of those accolades that you obtained throughout your career. Because I think if you look at stats, you know, someone 10 years from now can be like, Westbrook was, you know, maybe the best passer of his era just because he's averaging, you know, the most assists or he was one of the best rebounders or, you know, best scorers. But that's not really the case. I mean, he, he's a good passer. He's a good rebounder. He's a good scorer. But I don't think he's necessarily top five in any of those categories in the NBA, although he might maybe in his position. I would say yeah, that, yeah. within his position or I mean, even overall, I wouldn't say he's top five, you know, passing, scoring or rebounding. But Overall, stats stats is nice to look at, you know, to look at a player's consistency and efficiency over, you know, certain periods of time. But overall, I mean, because defense doesn't necessarily come up on the stat sheet. It's something, you know, you got to watch the game. You got to, you know, see a guy getting to, you know, a dude's personal space, you know, disrupting his offense and things like that. So the only thing you can really get out of, you know, the defensive side is maybe steals. And James Harden's top five in steals. And he's known as, you know, one of the worst defensive players as a superstar in the league. So, I mean, we can't really validate, 
you know, someone's legacy based off of just stats. Because one can argue that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the best scorer of all time simply because he has, you know, more points. But that's not the case. I mean, he's nothing near the best scorer. I mean, he's, he can score the basketball. He's got, you know, one of the hardest shots to ever guard in the history of the NBA with the sky hook. But I wouldn't put him as a top five scorer in NBA history. I want to go back to your point. You talked about how accolades and whatnot. I think sometimes people don't even get the accolades that they deserve, and it's unfair to, to judge someone based on certain accolades. I think that's just, that's for me personally. I mean, you look at Carmelo's scoring title scoring title year, average twenty nine a game. He should have been all he should have been an All NBA first team type of dude. Mike Conley, uh, for example, has never been to an All Star game. He he's an All Star type of point guard. Just it just sucks. You're in the West. You're you know with yeah. you're, you're with a bunch of guys. Sometimes the accolades don't really. D- define a person as well. That's that's just how it is. But I mean, I, I will I will go back to the point that I, I agree with you that it, it matters to it matters to a certain extent. Excuse me. Uh, you know, obviously I can look at a game and be like, okay, well this if if I'm if I haven't watched the game and I just look at the stat sheet, I'm like, okay, well Dallas shot 29% from three, but Golden State shot 54% from three. I'm gonna assume that's why Golden State won that game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's just that's how I think of it sometimes, but. Sometimes people just overload with the stats, and it's I, I hate people that just throw out numbers. Yeah. Like, seriously, you just throw, oh, you know, James Harden is leading in points per efficiency, defensive rating, da da I'm like, okay, but, like, what is he really doing in the game? Like, forget all the stats. You just really just got to watch the game because the best truth teller in the NBA is just is your own eyes. If you watch the game, you can see who can play and who can not. Yeah. Like, seriously. And then <clears throat> one thing I also feel is that, you know, rec- records are always going to be broken. You know, we have the great, we have the, you know, leading score in NBA history. That's going to be broken by the time, you know, LeBron's out. And then who knows, maybe another guy comes in, then that record's going to be broken. And we got to keep in mind that the NBA rules have, you know, changed from this era compared to last. They got, they got rid of hand checking. You know, you can't like really use your hand on another opponent or on the offensive side. So, I mean, that you can argue that that led to more free throws for some guys and which led to more points, which led to, you know, more scoring. They also got rid of, you know, the offensive rebound, 24-second, you know, shot clock restart. I mean, that led to more teams scoring more points per game. I mean, and then guys can look at it and be like, oh, you know, teams aren't playing defense this season. No, it's just teams are getting more shots because now an offensive rebound is 14 seconds. So that 10 seconds can add up to, you know, an extra 20 possessions throughout the game, which can lead to that increment in points. And I just feel like we got to look at, you know, how rules are changing over time and, you know, how guys are, you know, evolving their games. Because back then, the three-point shot wasn't, you know, the best shot you can take. It was, you know, arguably a mid-range jumper or, you know, a layup. But nowadays, you know, guys are, you know, using that route, work smart, not hard. You know, they're just going for the three ball. And the big key thing is Stephen Curry, which has also got, you know, the bigs involved in perimeter shooting. And, I mean, you just got to look at the overall – impact that certain guys make on their era rather than I will say this the numbers this today's era is the most talented era that we're that we've ever seen obviously and it's going to keep being like that in yeah. 20 2070 I mean the talent's going to be ridiculous we're probably going to see seven foot point guards and then like, that's not even a joke like seriously we're probably going to see that and so that's why I mean I, I I can't like for me personally I will compare eras in terms of talent but it's unfair to say like a guy like let's just say for example Hakeem Olajuwon wouldn't strive in this era, but I mean, you also have to take in for consideration that he'll probably evolve his game for this era. Yeah. I mean, if Hakeem Olajuwon played in this era, he'd probably be shooting threes. 
Like that's just that's just how it is. I mean, same if and if Joel Embiid was playing in the '80s, he'd probably just be a low post star, and that's I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the time of the era. So that's why I take in, I, I, I take into consideration because we've never really seen someone like Kevin Durant. We've never really seen someone like Giannis Antetokounmpo, six foot eleven, seven foot guys that play like guards. But I mean, that's gonna start being the norm nowadays. So I mean, I th- and I think another big thing is you know guys don't give the you know these new NBA fans, you know this younger generation, they don't give the respect due to the you know the people before. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta keep into account that you know now that Kobe's out, just a short example, all these new guys such as you know Giannis, Westbrook, and you know Ben Simmons and all these guys, they all want to work out with Kobe Bryant, you know the great who who's now not here in the NBA. And a good example is Joel Embiid as well. He wanted to work out with Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, they want to take the game from the guys before and add it to their game. And the big reason why Joel Embiid is as good as he is is because of Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, we can all argue that. He, you know, based his game off of him, his footwork and his movement inside the paint. The only thing he has different is he's, you know, more of a perimeter shooter and he has more length. So, I mean, you got to – I feel like we got to start judging players in terms of, you know, their era and how they performed rather than, you know, looking at the stat sheet and comparing, oh, he scored this much as opposed to this much. Well, you know, the rules in the 90s are a lot different than the rules now. So we can't really do a compare and contrast all, compare and contrast all the time. And that's what, that's what I've been saying. So, you've, you've heard me say personally yeah. in a personal conversation off, off the camera, I mean off the podcast and whatnot, I changed my mind. I said there is no GOAT in my opinion. I've said yeah. that numerous times in the last few weeks. I don't think there's a go anymore. I think you you can just judge people based on their eras, based on their generations, who's the best player. But if you want to just talk about who's the best player ever, then, I mean, technically, if we're just talking about best player, it's got to be Will Chamberlain. I mean, if we're just going to be tech, but I don't think he's the best player. I don't like, I don't have, that's why for me personally, I'm just judging players based on their generation. Cause you're playing against players that, are, that have the same ruling as you, same type of game, same type of era as you. I mean, you can't really compare LeBron to Jordan's era, and you can't just say, oh, well, if he was in, there's too many ifs and buts about it. I mean, LeBron's the greatest in his generation, in my opinion. Jordan was the greatest in his generation. Magic and Bird were the greatest in their generation. Will and Bill Russell were the greatest in their generations. Those are the goats in me. I don't think there can just be one specific goat. And I also want to throw in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't think there can just be one specific goat. There's too many if and buts about it. I know a lot of people say Michael Jordan, but it's unfair to like compare Michael Jordan to maybe Wilt Chamberlain. Because what if Wilt Chamberlain would have kept at the same numbers in Michael Jordan's era? But that's too many ifs and buts. You can't just you, you can't really. It's an opinionated question. You can't you know just have a, a a set conclusion. That's why I think there's 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 a multitude of goats, and it's just based on your generation, based on your era. Yeah, I mean that's I I feel the same. You know I feel a little bit the same towards that, but I have you know mixed mixed opinions over that, you know, certain argument, but I don't want to get too deep into that. But overall, I just feel in terms of stats, they simply just matter to a certain extent. I mean, come on now. If a guy scores more three-pointers throughout his career than Stephen Curry, is he going to be considered a better shooter? Absolutely not. I mean, we all know that Stephen Curry has battled injuries his first four seasons, which, you know, if he didn't have those injuries, you know, early in his career, he'd probably be leading right now in three-point you know, field goals made. So, I mean, overall, you can argue stats, but it just simply can't be your own argument. That's just how I feel. And I agree with you. Stats don't define the whole picture. And if you just use stats to convey your argument, then I'm sorry, you didn't, you don't want, you don't know basketball. Yeah, you absolutely. Don't. So we're going to switch the topic. 
You know, it was a good topic. I enjoyed it. We're going to switch it to some defensive player of the year talk. How do you feel? Who who do you think is getting this defensive player of the year award? It's my man, Paul Clifton Anthony George. Oh, I said his whole name. Oh, no, he didn't, man. The reason the reason why I got my man Paul George as the defensive player of the year, I, I, I love me some Giannis, don't get me wrong. I think Paul George, first of all, he's elevated. He's always been a great two-way player, but he's elevated his game on the offensive end, and he's putting up these crazy numbers, averaging almost 28 points, excuse me, almost 29 points, almost, and he's you know constantly leading this this OKC team in points and basically being the best scorer in that team, taking, taking, taking the ball by, by, you know, taking the team by control and whatnot. And he's also doing on the defensive end, guarding the best player, you know, every single night he's just, ta- he's taking that responsibility, does not take a night off. And he's learning a lot from Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook always has a tendency to work hard and whatnot. And, you know, you can see that in Paul George's game as well. Paul George, he doesn't take a, uh, he doesn't take a day off. And I really do have this guy for defensive player of the year. I think he's, not only is he doing it on the defensive end, but I also want to take in, in, in excuse me take into consideration what he's doing on the offensive end. He, I mean, he's he's playing like an MVP, but on the defensive end, he's guarding the best players, giving you two two point two steals a game, and he's leading arguably the best defense in the NBA. I mean, I, I think I think for me personally, I think it's a no brainer. Paul George should definitely get it, but I mean, I could understand the Giannis argument as well. I'm gonna have to give it to Paul George as well. I mean, I think. A th- few months back on the show maybe a month and a half two months I think I said Paul George has a real good shot at getting defensive player of the year and I think now he's starting to prove it a little bit more but I think he has the edge over Giannis simply because that Milwaukee team has a lot like their chemistry is more developed than this OKC team but one thing about Paul George is he's doing such a good job without their best defensive player in Andre Roberson I mean the way he stepped up you know, the, the, the way he's doing it as well on the offensive end, hitting clutch shots, which he wasn't known for throughout his career. I mean, it's not, it's not easy that you are the best offensive player on your team and the best defensive player on your team. I mean, that takes a lot of mental toughness to, you know, come night in and night out and just, you know, perform and, you know, just come in there and be the best player on the team when you have a former MVP who's averaging a triple-double. I mean, that, that's not something we see every day. This is – you know, not, not even something we see every season, you know, if you want to go deeper into it. You know, Paul George, I mean, we all look at him now. We're like, he's that best. He's the best player on this OKC team in terms of, you know, this season. I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, just knock it off of, you know, Westbrook, all his achievements that he's been doing. But Paul George, I mean, he's leading the league in steals. He has the most active hands in the league. And, I mean, he usually turns a turnover into a basket on the other end. And I think it's – it should be a no-brainer at this point simply because of, you know, the major impact he's made. And we've seen the difference of this OKC team. With The way Paul, Paul George is playing defense, it kind of just reminds me of what Kawhi Leonard was doing a few years back. I mean, you know, Paul George, his game is similar to Kawhi Leonard's, and that's a, that's a, real, that's a real good thing. It's, it's a compliment, basically. And, I mean, Paul George, like, once again, I know he's doing it on the defensive end. He's always been doing this his whole career, especially whenever he was in Indiana playing against LeBron James. He did it on the defensive end. He guarded LeBron James toe-for-toe and whatnot. But for this year, I mean, he's giving you 29 points, basically, doing it on the offensive end, leading his teams, giving them buckets, giving them wins as well. Don't forget that. I mean, I know you can give your team buckets, but is that translating to wins? And it is. And, and he's also doing it on the defensive end. I mean, I was watching that Utah game a few nights back. I'm telling you, I mean, Terrence Ferguson was guarding Donovan Mitchell in the clutch. 
Paul George basically went to Terrence Ferguson, tell him to get the hell up out the way, guarded Donovan Mitchell one-on-one. I'm telling you, it's a one-on-one with like 40 seconds left. Paul George just basically puts the clamps on Donovan Mitchell. And that's why I have him as my defensive player of the year. I mean, this guy just – he. He just takes it personal, and that's what I like about him. He takes everything personal. He wants to have matchup, and he just he wants to get things done. And uh, I mean, I got him as my defensive player of the year. I think it should be a no-brainer. But once again, like if someone wants to argue with me about Giannis, I can definitely uh, like I can definitely respect that just because Giannis been doing it. He's been doing it on both ends as well. He's doing an amazing amazing job with both teams. He's leading his team in almost every single category, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, I can understand Giannis, but I got Paul George just because of the impact he does on offense and defense and his team is winning i mean he's even changed the whole culture with that okc team now you got russell westbrook playing defense yeah i mean russell westbrook has always been a solid defender throughout his career but now this this year he's playing like a really good defender he's got someone like taron ferguson who's bought in defensively jeremy grant a young athletic player who's bought in defensively steven adams he's always been a defensive prowess this team this this, this team is this team is special i like this team yeah, and there's a, there's one thing i want to touch up on Giannis. i mean I think he's he would be he should be the front runner simply because you know people argue that you know LeBron James can guard all five positions that's not true. I think he can guard maybe some of the ones the 2 3 4 but he can't guard the five if you want to you know really break it down. But Giannis can simply guard the 1 through 5. You put any point guard, Giannis can give him a hard time. Any shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, Giannis will give any guy at any position a hard time in this league. Just because of his length, his athleticism, and you know his ability to you know just you know shift positions. I mean, Giannis overall, I think is one of the only guys that I've ever seen watching basketball that can guard the one through five. He he can simply guard any guy in the league. You know, you throw Joel Embiid at him. Joel Embiid's gonna have a bad night if Giannis. Uh, no, nah, he's not having a bad night. He's, he's gonna have a bad night in terms of night. you know. Giannis is going to put some real estate in his head that game. Nah, Joel Embiid would have a good night, but Giannis would make it a little t- difficult for him. But Joel Embiid would still Giannis get his will make it harder than, than an average center would on Joel Embiid, which is, which is, you know, something really extraordinary, especially for a center that's, you know, seven foot two, seven foot three, and, you know, he's got, you know, hella real estate in Andre Drummond's hand. So you got to give the, you got to give much respect to Giannis. But overall, it's Paul George. I think just yeah, I agree with you, Paul George. But anyways, let's go to a little more basketball. Let's talk about something you know depressing to watch these Phoenix Suns. But there's some good I got out of this Phoenix Suns this season. It's the wins they got, and it just it's about who they got their wins on. So the Phoenix Suns, you know, they rack in another win against a top tier team in the Golden State Warriors. Does this validate their chances in terms of you know? who they pick up this year in the draft, which is, you know, a projected top three. Does this validate their chances to make the playoffs next season? No. It, it doesn't, they're not making the playoffs at all next season. First of all, they're 15 and 52. You're telling me and, – and in the West, you got to win around 45 to 50 games to make that playoffs, make that playoff spot. This team is not going to have a – I don't know what kind of jump they're going to have, a 40-game jump. That's not going to happen. Sorry, it's just not. Now, you want to talk about the Golden State Warriors win. Um, there's been a lot of bad teams, especially throughout the NBA history, that towards the, end of their, towards the end of the season, they start playing a little better basketball, and it convinces a lot of people. You look at the Chicago Bulls, for example, last year, especially with the Dallas Mavs and whatnot, they had pretty big wins, good wins, and we thought that things were going to change for that franchise. It did not go that way. You look, you know, next year, the, the following year after that, they play the same way. I think 
I don't want to get sold on one game against Golden State. I think this team still has a lot of years to do, uh, a lot of years to improve. I look at their front office. I mean, there's no real culture defined within that front office. Their head coach has done, you know, a below average job with that team. Um, Josh Jackson, for example, he he didn't he doesn't show up to meet and greets. I mean, they don't have a defined culture within that organization. This organization needs some work. I know they have their core group of guys with Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, but they kind of they kind of you know, striked out on on some on some top guys. Instead of you know, instead of Josh Jackson, they missed out on a De'Aaron Fox, a, you know, a Donovan Mitchell, a, De, a Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, they missed out on some few guys. Mikel Bridges, he's looking like a solid player, but they still have a lot of work to do. Uh, this team is is a few years back from making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs at all next season. I mean, they're 15 and they're 16 and 52 right now. I don't see them jumping 40 games. I think I don't I don't even think that's ever happened. I mean, maybe that's happened with Cleveland whenever they got LeBron James. But I mean, that's not happening with this Phoenix Suns team. There's 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 too much going on with that team. I just don't trust it. I mean, even this season, we were there was talks about them possibly making the playoffs. We they looked like they had a solid team. No, it's it's not looking like. I think they have a few years left. I mean, I I also look at the Chicago Bulls for example. They have a talented team: Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen. I mean, they they have they have a they have a nice. You know, I, I core think the Chicago Bulls can pull one off next season. And, and but and they have they have their they have their core group, core group of guys. But I think there's just from like I don't, it depends what it depends what happens with Orlando and whatnot. <clears> but I think Chicago as well. They're a few years back. They might sneak into an eighth spot in the next few years. Next year, however, if they granted if they get if they get a top three pick, they might. But Chicago's a way better team than than the, than the Phoenix Suns. They have a they actually have a whole team, a whole culture and whatnot. They got Chris Dunn, Markinen, Otto Porter, who's been playing amazing. Zach Levine, who's looking like he should be an all-star. I mean, they have a team. Phoenix Suns, however, I don't know what's going on with them. DeAndre Aiden, he's he's solid and whatnot, but they, this this organization does not have a culture around them. Head coaching has not done a great job. This this team is a few years out of it. I would say, <clears throat> if you put the Phoenix Suns in the East, I think based on who they draft, I think they could make the playoffs next season. Simply because you got to look at they beat the Boston Celtics this season, they beat the San Antonio Spurs, they beat the Golden State Warriors. I mean, these are and then they also beat the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, these are top tier teams. This just this this just shows you that you know they're not they're not playing this season. They're still tanking. They're still trying to you know they're not trying to miss out on the chance to get you know a Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, or arguably John Morant now who just came out of nowhere this season. So I mean they're they're really not trying to miss their chances on you know these you know three you know future generational players who can really make a difference in this league. You got John Morant who's the most complete guy in college basketball. You got Zion Williamson who's the most athletic dude in college. And then you got a guy like RJ Barrett who just has an overall complete game. You know, he can do it all, he can pass, he can shoot. You know, he's athletic and his IQ is just, you know, it's, it's it's out of the league. You you talked about the you talked about their wins against San Antonio, Milwaukee, and Golden State. Yeah. I I just I don't agree. I feel like that's a like you talked about their wins and whatnot. I just don't agree with you because I feel like that's a Golden State issue. That's a San Antonio issue. Milwaukee. Like, I watched that like that Golden State game last night. Steph Curry went six for twenty. Like, yeah. when is he really gonna go six for twenty? If if the, if it really mattered, I feel like they just caught some teams sleeping and some teams. Just, just lost games that they shouldn't have lost. And sometimes, like in the NBA season, you have scheduled losses. Sometimes it's a back-to-back, second night of a back-to-back, you're on the road, like that's a scheduled loss. You yeah. know you're probably going to lose that game. 
sometimes that's just how it is. But you know, I, I don't I don't give credit to Phoenix as much as I you know get on teams for losing to Phoenix. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if Milwaukee loses to Phoenix, I'm not gonna be like, wow, like Phoenix just demolished Milwaukee. I'm gonna be like, okay, well, what did Milwaukee do to lose? Like they should have blew out Phoenix. So I, I like once again, I'm I'm not sold on the Phoenix Suns. I like who they have. But this this Phoenix Suns like organization needs to have a complete rebuild. A, not not even what their players. I'm talking about what the front office. Their owner is not doing a great job. There's no, you know, set culture and whatnot. It's bad in Phoenix. It's it's bad. Yeah, I also agree. It's it's looking bad simply because I mean you've got Devin Booker, who's your your franchise player. Then you have you know three you know top fifteen guys in the last few drafts and Kelly Oubre. Uh, Josh Jackson, and now DeAndre Ayton, who was the first pick. I mean, you still can't get nothing going. You still want to tank. I mean, I just don't, under- I don't understand it where they're getting at this point. You even had Trevor Ariza. That, that wasn't even working for you. So I just don't know what route this team is headed. But I think if they can make some key free agent adjustments this season, make a good trade, maybe try to bring in Alonzo Ball. You know, you try to get, you know, Zion Williamson, I think if they can pull that off, I think they become, you know, a high a high chance of they, they get a high chance of making the playoffs simply because now you got Devin Booker who can score the ball at any any angle with whoever's guarding him. Then you got a guy like DeAndre Ayton who's a force in the paint. I mean, then you add Kelly Oubre who's a two-way player who can shoot the three ball. And then you also you, you know, you also got, you know, some key core guys and then you add in Zion Williamson and Lonzo Ball. This team is just lacking a point guard. And just that one guy, and I feel like you know they can, they can go a long. They have a long future. You, you named all these guys, but like once again, you named all of them. They're all young guns. Josh but, Jackson yeah, but as well. That exactly. You just said it. They're all young. Like they're just they're young. They're too young to to make a push in my in my opinion. But like, I feel like for example, like you talked to, like and th- there's also something that you didn't you didn't talk about as well. There's a bench unit. What type of bench unit do they have in the league? They don't have a bench unit. Like uh, that's 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 what it comes down to as well. Their head coach, I'm not sold on him as well. I think this – I don't know what's going on with this Phoenix Suns franchise, but I feel like there's a lot of hostility, especially towards that. Like, they missed up – They excuse me, they passed up on Luka Doncic. And I'm not – it's like, seriously, seriously, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Mavs fan. Like, there's a lot of talks going on, especially with the Sacramento Kings and and with the Phoenix Suns. There's – there's like, the GMs were on the hot seat because they they passed up on – they passed up on Luka Doncic. That's why the GM for the Phoenix Suns got, you know, he got fired. I'm not saying that that's the sole reason, but that I think could. That's a fair reason. Uh, like that's that's probably a reason that pushed that tilted the boat. You pass up on Luka Doncic, you got DeAndre Aiden, which is not a bad pick. Like DeAndre Aiden's gonna be a really good player. Luka Doncic is probably what they needed. Exactly, Luka Doncic is gonna be a generational type of player. That's just what it comes yeah. down to. You miss, you pass up on Luka Doncic. They also passed up on Donovan Mitchell. They passed up on Kyle Kuzma. Well, I mean, everyone passed up on those. Donovan Mitchell talk but I mean that's and let's let's not like just shy like that's a lot of organizations fault as well you yeah. know what I mean that's not just the Phoenix Suns fault don't get me wrong but I think it's their but, fault because they had the first pick they could have chose whoever they had, they had but they every, also had the fourth pick and and in 2017 yeah. we looked at that fourth we looked at that 2017 draft and we were like okay well this draft is probably going to be one of the best drafts mm-hmm. and we don't know if it's lived up to the hype yet we can't really say it because it's only a year off but yeah. They had the fourth pick. They virtually had any type of, you know, they had the choices of anyone. There's still, there were so many good players after them that they, you know, they had the chance to get. But there's a lot of teams that passed up on them. 
Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, you know, dra- draft day, if you got a lottery pick, I think you're in the, like the most toughest position as a GM. Yeah. I mean, Something because everyone looks good in practice. You know, everyone looks everyone looks good until, you know, you put them in the real game. But I mean, overall, you, you, you do this job. You're a professional at what you do. You should make better decisions. I mean, it's it's a hit or miss. And, you know, fortunately enough for the Mavs, we got Luka Doncic. And I think, you know, we might – I think we won that trade simply because, you know, Luka Doncic is an attracting guy who can bring big players but once to again, a like, market team. But once again, I don't – that's another thing with NBA like NBA fans and whatnot is that we just jump to conclusions so fast. Like we don't know what's gonna go on as with of that now, pick. I'm speaking as of now. Because yeah, okay. Well, as of now, well, obviously we won the trade. But We're what if what if day. yeah, what if Atlanta gets yeah. the next Luka Doncic? How for for example, they get another All Star. Then uh, we don't. But we don't know. Like that's it's it's way too early. A lot of people. All right, just if jump Atlanta to it. if Atlanta gets Ja Morant, who apparently turns out to be the Mavs draft pick, I'm gonna say they won that trade. Simply because you have a guy who can, you know, get you triple doubles in the league. He's shown his athleticism is there and things like that. But let's not get too off topic on this. You know, we, we can talk all day about Luka Doncic and Dallas Mavericks, but let's talk about some, you know, NFL drama right now. The NFL, Antonio Brown, who is – he's got to be one of the saltiest dudes, most petty guys I've seen in the league. So he gets traded to supposedly Buffalo, but that trade doesn't go through. But then he does end up getting traded yesterday to the Oakland Raiders for a third round and a fifth round pick in return. Who who in their right mind would do that? Like, how, how do you feel about the Steelers trading so low on Antonio Brown? Um, I think the only reason why he went so low was just that he went out publicly and started dissing the franchise, and that kind of made his trade value go down. I think a lot of teams didn't want to take the chances on someone that looks like he can be a locker room distraction, look like someone that's childish and whatnot. So I think that's why his trade value was kind of low. But I want to flip it. I want to talk about the Oakland Raiders. I love what they're doing. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about the Oakland Raiders beginning of the season. We were like, okay, what the hell are they doing? They gave up Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, and they had a bad year, 4-12 and and whatnot. No, 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 no. Once again, we got to be patient. You know, sports is just a patience game. You got to wait to see how everything turns out. This year, they got three first-round picks. They have other teams' picks and whatnot. They just got Antonio Brown. And if I'm not mistaken, literally 20 minutes before the show, they just signed the former Patriots uh, offensive tackle, Trent Brown, for $66 million. So that's another great pickup. They just signed a defensive tackle a few days ago. I mean, now they got three first-round picks. They also have the fourth pick in the, fir- in, in the first round. So I mean, it's looking like these guys are going are they're making moves and if they pick up the right people in in the draft, I think this team can, you know, head the right way. But man, I mean, we got to talk about the Oakland Raiders, they're making moves. See, we got to give a lot of credit's got to go to John Gruden. I mean, he made those key trades. He pretty much took over as GM, not not literally, but you know, hypothetically we speak. So he made the acquisition to, you know, rather than sign Khalil Mack to, you know, a big contract, you know, the biggest contract at his position, trade him away, which I think now is the smartest moves the Raiders made all season, simply because you signed Khalil Mack to that contract. I mean, now you have less, you know, first-round picks, we can argue. I mean, you know, now you have more cap space to sign big guys. Now now you got Antonio Brown, who's arguably an attraction now to land Le'Veon Bell. I mean, what, what, was, what did we say? They got four first-round picks this draft? They have three. 
Three okay, first three, round picks. three first round. Then you trade Amari Cooper for a first round, and you get Antonio Brown, who's maybe five steps better than Amari Cooper, and you give away a third and fifth round pick. I mean, this team, it looked like, you know, they were heading for failure, but, I mean, now we're looking at next season. If they can land Le'Veon Bell, this team's going to the to the playoffs, like without a doubt. With the three first-round picks, I mean, you can get a lot of guys, especially in this draft. There's a lot of, you know, it's a defensive-heavy draft. You know, there's a few, you know, great O-lines coming out of this draft. I mean, this team can be set and ready, you know, come next season. I mean, they, that's they what can I'm be saying. a playoff threat it depends, as well. It just depends who they get on in, in the draft. And I'm pretty sure, especially with making all these – like, we got to think outside the box. They, they've been making all these moves. I think they know their guys. They know their guys in the yeah. draft. They know who's the players, who, who can ball and who can't. I think they got their, their specific guys in the draft board and whatnot. They got the fourth pick, got the 24th pick, and the 27th pick. It's now it's just up it's it's up to them. Yeah. You you got it. You got to get the right guys. That's what they got to do. Just hopefully, if they can pray, you know Nick uh, Nick Bosa slips down to the uh, he fourth ain't pick. Slipping. He ain't slipping. But I he mean, ain't slipping. I, I called it from the beginning of the season. He's gonna be the number one pick, even with the torn bicep. I think he's too talented of a player. And then we we've seen you know the threat his brother poses with the San Diego Chargers. He's one of you know the best guys at that position. So I don't see how he'd slip below number one. I mean, maybe two. Who knows? But overall, it'd be pretty nice if they, you know, can give away another first-round pick for, you know, that first pick. You know, maybe make a trade, which I think would be smarter. But this Oakland Raiders team is looking nice. And there's been rumors going around that, you know, Le'Veon Bell is starting to consider Oakland. I mean, if he does, you got a guy like Derek Carr. Then you got, I believe they still have Martavius Bryant. Then they got Antonio Brown. I mean, now they have three first-round draft picks. This team is playoff ready. You, you got two veteran, veteran, you know, playoff guys like Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, we can argue, you know, he's going to be rusty. No, I think he's just going to be healthy, a lot more healthier than we expected. And I think he's ready to go. And this Oakland – shout out John Gruden for a minute, man. They, they People contemplated, start saying, oh, I don't know if he's worth $10 million. They, you know, jumped to conclusions. Well, the guy's here for 10 years. He's not worried about two, three-year success. He's worried about a whole dynasty while he's there. And I feel like, you know, as, as a guy like him at his caliber, it's, it's just a weight game. You got to wait and see what happens. And I feel like Oakland Raiders are getting spoiled sooner than later. So that's just how I feel about it. And that's really all I got to say. Let's get it, man. It's Sports Decaf. We'll catch y'all later. You know, man, y'all already here. You know, like I said last show, just – just go ahead and give us that five stars, you know. I mean, I know we're valued at 10 stars, but it only goes up to five. So go ahead, like, subscribe, rate. We out here, man, on this spring break. It's turn-up time.